the Family Jewels True Crime Podcast, episode 19. My name is Brian Sobolewski, and I am here with co-host Tom Neal. The owner? You sole owner of Doghouse, or do you co-own it with Casey? My name is the only name on the lease. All right, well then, you are the owner. That's what I like to hear. <laughs> and I got to tell you that uh, throughout the podcast, you have heard multiple uh, live recordings of me. I have mentioned Doghouse multiple times. I've actually mentioned you multiple times in the podcast because... As I have been a regular appearer here at Doghouse, I get a regular Friday spot, which I, I talk a lot about uh, how thankful I am about that stage and how much that stage means to me and how much I think this stage is of value to South Florida and comedy in general. Um, I, I have watched you grow from when I first got down here and I went to my first open mic at Mad Robot and I saw you get up with a guitar and I was like, this guy's out of his fucking mind. <laughs> to me, I'm used to Boston where you didn't go, there, there were no all arts open mics. It was comedy or come with an instrument and play it because they never mixed the two. Boston's a very hard city. You've lived there, correct? No, no. Oh, never, right. never been to Boston. Oh, wow. Um, Planned good. two trips there. Both of them got canceled. Good. Before. That There's a reason for that. God's keeping you the <laughs> fuck out of there because obviously he has other places. Got some good friends in Boston. But, uh, <laughs> uh, it, it's a great city to, to sort of get toughened up by comedy if, if, if that's what you want to do. Um, so... Yeah, that, that, that open mic... Uh, the, at Robot uh, that doesn't exist anymore after COVID. I wasn't planning on doing music. <laughs> I had my guitar in the back of my car as I usually do. And, um, and it's an all arts open mic, but most people did, did comedy, but uh, they picked names out of a hat and my name yep. came up so far down the bill. <laughs> as mine did. Yeah, so that by the time it was time for anything close to me, uh, the people ahead had already just eaten up all the oxygen in the room there was nothing <laughs> left nobody was any good it was horrible there was no thank you chris rock couldn't have come down and succeeded at that nope. moment and i thought wait a minute i have a guitar in the car i can sing i can do that so i went and got the guitar i told mike i said i'm not going to do the comedy i'm going to do this thing instead and huge round of applause because not only was i okay <laughs> on the guitar and singing but i wasn't trying to make them laugh, which they were not willing to do. So. Right. No, it was, a, it was a nice break to, to the evening. Now, <laughs> um, that is where I took my first Sick Puppies comedy class. Mm -hmm. What is the association between Mad Robot, Doghouse, and Sick Puppies? Um, sick Puppies, um, for a long time, were strays. Right. Uh, uh, they, they had no place to really be. Uh, uh, we, we, there was a theater that we worked at, but we didn't own it or control it, and we were sort of... And that was in Boca, correct? The first one was in Boca, yes, in East Boca. I saw you guys at that. Uh, I saw it. I went terrible in those days. <laughs> Actually, I enjoyed it, man. There was a, it, I, thought it was a, I thought it was a good time, and I'm just judging by the reaction of yeah, the it was, No, it was okay. You know, it was fantastic. People got their money's worth, but, but uh, that theater kind of dried up on us, and then we wound up at another place. It wasn't right for us. We wound up at another place. That, that, that owned by the daughter of the person who owned the other theater, who was absolutely insane. I'm, and I don't mean that in a good clinical way. And um, so we just didn't really have a place. And I got to know the, the owner of Robot uh, Brewing, which is a really cool bar in Boca. Uh, really was. A great and brewery place. was a great yeah. place. Yeah. And 
he he needed something to, uh, on Sunday afternoons. He needed some programming on the stage there. So I organized. Uh, there was a few things that we did. We did um, we did uh, storytelling. I organized that. Uh, we did some other stuff on Sundays. Uh, I forget what else. And um, and I thought, well, let me drag in some improv. So uh, it turned out to be like two Sundays a month. We would uh, take over the place for a couple of hours and do improv there. Uh, and Casey made a deal with a guy who they had a little room next door, which was kind of comfortable, like a little lounge. And he said, let me use this place to, to do some um, stand-up comedy lessons. Uh, and uh, it worked out very well. And, and I was a, a regular at that place anyway. I was always at the open mics, either playing or comedying. Or uh, they had a, a musical jam night, which was an extremely excellent jam yeah. on, on, on Tuesday nights. I mean, it was really good music. What a great spot. It's just a great spot. Yeah, I miss it. Every, yeah, yeah, so do I. And when it, it, and it was super close to my apartment. It was local. It, yeah. And a lot of cool South Florida talent churned through that place. Yeah. So it was a shame True. to see it. But it was also encouraging to see that out of COVID, this place was born? Um, well, this place was born before COVID. Um, this place, uh, Doghouse Theater, was, um, uh, we started it. Uh, I realized we needed a place, and this place became available at the end of 2019. Uh, we knew the guy who was running it before. It was a, He had it as an improv theater, but he wasn't doing very well okay. here. So I took it over, signed a lease, uh, refurbished a lot of the place, and then about a month later we opened, and then a month later we closed because of COVID, and then a year and a half later we opened again. Yeah, so, so A, it, it has a super interesting history. It used to be a takeout. Diner? Uh, it used to be like a little little uh, restaurant, little luncheonette kind of a place. So. Yeah, and there's yeah. a takeout window. So for, for yeah. those of you that don't know, yeah, you know, of course you can't see this right now, but we are in like what looks like a regular apartment building, but doghouses in a bottom apartment. It looks like it takes up multiple apartments. And there's a little tiny, what you would describe as a drive-thru window over in the corner. And yeah. you hung up a picture of the proprietor correct yeah it took some time finding it because no uh, uh, finding any picture of anything that used to be here before because it just was nothing and how'd you learn about the history of the of the spot um i talked to a couple of people uh about it uh some some local people when i i was out here before we had even opened i was painting outside and it's such a nice neighborhood i mean uh, when i say nice i mean it's a it's a historic black district down here and it's such a cool it's like a black mayberry uh, literally, there's a there's a, 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 a exactly literally there is a, is a barber right across the street, and it's like Floyd the barber, but he's black, and it's it's like he's the, the center of the town, and everybody goes there. So people were just coming up to me, telling me, and asking me stuff. So I learned a lot just from listening to them. Outstanding. So so where are you on the uh, autistic scale? Do you know? Have you been tested? I. Um... <laughs> Yeah, no, you know, I just, they I, have an autistic scale at my Publix, but I don't want to spend the twenty five cents. So, uh. no, because it, it's just it's. It, I got to tell you, in terms of, of I came from uh, Cambridge Improv, so it was they called it Boston Improv, but it was in Cambridge, and then there was a Boston Improv. Yes, I know that. that I knew the people North from Boston Improv. Yes. Okay, so the Cambridge Improv uh, uh, is where we kind of uh, I started. I took a comedy class there, and then I started performing there. There was improv there, but. That's where I kind of sort of learned of the divide between stand-up and improv. Yes. Like, the, the, we do not get along. 
can you can, and I you know that is my experience with it is that yours I'm not I won't say that they don't get along and in fact as you know on Friday nights here we we mash those things together which is brilliant which and I've talked to multiple national comedians that have seen this and been like I don't see this anywhere else yeah. in the country and so. you know I, I got to give Casey Casperson props on this because it's something that he pioneered maybe four or five years ago just as a format um, to incorporate stand-up comedians in what we do in improv and I told him when I first heard him say that he wanted to do that I said you're out of your mind that's never going to work <laughs> but let's try it anyway because Excellent. because when Casey has a bad idea it usually turns out to be a good one okay no so, all right um, does he give stock tips <laughs> well, he was an investment. Uh, no, no, I'm sorry. He was a mortgage banker for a while yeah, during the uh, during the savings and loan collapse. That just so means he was corruptible. Stockers. That's all that means. <laughs> yeah, it's giving loans to strippers. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're not really loans; more like grants. Whatever. Um, that's fantastic. Uh, and, and the Friday show is pretty much um, been regular. It's been growing mm-hmm. from from where and, and again. I, I constantly try to tell comedians that, that a stage of five paid members is worth an open mic of 80 people. Because of the 80 people on an open mic, 79 aren't there to see you. They're not, they didn't pay to come in, they didn't pay to laugh, but when they walk in here, there is an expectation. And I think it's a, it's a better place to learn what works and what doesn't. Yeah, it's awful to... to um, <laughs> when I was... Uh, in improv down in Miami, one of the things we had to do occasionally just to help promote the theater down there in Coral Gables was we had to go, uh, sometimes we go to the local Starbucks or whatever, uh, uh, the Hooters on the the sidewalk and we would just do like a flash mob kind of uh, street improv. And it was- Can you show me the bullet holes? Oh my God. (laughs) They they, they were all self-inflicted, let me tell you. I didn't want to do that in the worst way. It was but the worst. Did it make you better? No. no okay. Not so at all. then there's no reason. <laughs> not at all. And, and, they, and they would make students do that. Yeah, that's and, nothing. Oh my God, that's, that's the worst thing. I think the most valuable, the guy that taught the improv, that taught the stand-up comedy class at the Cambridge Improv, the, it was the best exercise. He said, all right, we're going to do this, but it, it, and I'm going to make sure nobody's mean about it. But before we introduce anybody, before we get to know each other, everyone's going to get up and we're all going to sit and say what our first impressions of you are. <laughs> oh my God, it was, ama- it, it was so amazing because I got up and people said, a cop with shit to hide <laughs> or, or a criminal that has moral issues. Like, they, it, wasn't, it was just so middle about it. My buddy Brian Golacki got up and they were just like longshoremen. It was a great because it allowed you to say, hey, here's the first impression of the audience about me. Oh, I see. And I might be able to use that in my comedy. So it, 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 to, to this day, I remember it and would do it in any stand-up comedy class I taught because it was super valuable. That's interesting. I thought it was great. <laughs> uh, so I want to talk about... Uh, I kind of think of you as like the sleeper on that improv stage. There's, there's a lot of talent on your stage when improv goes up there. And depending on who goes up, you always tend to be either the glue or the, hey, there's a quiet moment that I need to interrupt and boom. 
I've, I've watched you do it multiple times. And it, it, like I say, it's like, a, it's like watching a suicide bomber. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there's, there's a theory in improv, um, and uh, it's, it's called um, the uh, robot ninja pirate theory. <laughs> robot ninja pirate. Pirate. The, the idea is that all improvisers tend to be one of those three things. They can be all three, but t- they tend to be one. Okay. Uh, the pirate is someone who puts a knife between her teeth, swings onto the other <laughs> ship, has no idea what's about to happen, and is like, here I am! Okay. Deal with me! Um, uh, the robot is the one who wants to make sure, did we get to the who, what, and where of the scene? Um, do we know where we are? Did we the structure. Hit, are we yes-ending everything? You know, he's checking off all the boxes, making all right. sure it's all, all right. right. And then the ninja is the one who's watching, sees what's going on, knows one little thing that needs to be done, sneaks in, does it, leaves. Here's my question. Who are you watching? The improvers or the crowd? I never watch the crowd. First of all, you can't see the crowd because the lights are in your face. But even when you can... But you're telling me you don't know what that crowd I is couldn't waiting care for? Less. I couldn't <laughs> care less. Well, I guess that's the trick because you do it very well. I couldn't care less. You crack me up consistently. I can't... I, I'm trying... You know, I, I, I think of musicians... And musicians don't get up on a stage and think, gee, should we play this in F or G? What do you think the crowd would like? Right. The crowd okay. wants you to do the best thing that you know how to do. Yeah. That's it. I, I like that. I don't care about the thing. <clears throat> and I got to tell you, that is definitely something that I've learned from this stage is that um, sometimes it's not about the material. It's just how you deliver it. If you're oh, it's sincere, never about the material. if you're genuine, uh, and, and, and <laughs> your puppet thing... You commit, you commit to that to that whole situation. So to give you give you guys a little bit of background on what happens on stage, and I hope I'm not I'm not like this could be a Netflix special at some point. Tom gets up with a, a puppet that he doesn't even acknowledge for how well, much of the five minutes. Well, that you're no, no, that, I don't do that. That's that's Alex. That, Alex Gannon did that. I have a different puppet, that, and I don't take the puppet out. Right, until, so you don't acknowledge it. Uh, yeah, you don't even see the puppet. I take it out of a bag. But the plastic whole, is a the trash whole idea bag. Of it, the whole idea of the whole piece is that it's a short set. There's not enough time to really get to the things I want to get to. And all I'm doing is wasting time telling people that there's not enough time. <laughs> not enough time. And I keep trying to get to stuff, but there's not enough time to finish the joke. So there's no jokes it's just none. It's just. Uh, it's playing with the crowd. It's alienation. Is what they call it, Brechtian alienation. In other words, you're you're you're, uh, you're turning the crowd into the problem. I'm fine. The crowd screwed me up. <laughs> and the... the crowd killed my puppet. Okay, so um, <laughs> uh, you wrote two books. I'm on. I'm uh, in the middle of a third one right now. You're kidding? Yeah, yeah. That is a continuation of the first two. Yeah, it's part of this, like a series. Yes. All right. All right. So talk about the first one. And where would somebody you want get to talk it? about me? Um, no, this is we're fifteen minutes in. I, I'm having a blast. So fuck okay. me. Okay, uh, they've heard three seasons well, of okay, me. Okay, but I'm, I'm, about well, to start I'm season I'm, four. I'm here for you. I, no, here. I'm talking. I find you absolutely fascinating. Yeah, that and, scares me. <laughs> <laughs> no, you gotta understand, guys. I come in. I come here every Friday, and I can judge how things are going to be based on what Tom's drinking. <laughs> this is sometimes, it's, sometimes I come in. Sometimes and, I'm drinking the Windex. <laughs> So <laughs> sometimes this is, do you remember, um, man with two brains? Yes. <laughs> That's what he injected into people's brain. Uh, guy, if you don't know the movie, uh, 
And Tom is also somebody that that continually in in a crowd as we're waiting for a show to start when the lobby people are all gathered that I will just say something under my breath like a reference to Monty Python to Men with Two Brains a Steve Martin movie and Tom's got it he's on it he uh, you must have been a lonely teenager same <laughs> as me I wasn't a lonely teenager <laughs> oh my god all yeah. I did was sat like when Cable came out it was a godsend for me because I could just watch over and over again Richard Pryor oh you mean sitting by yourself watching television Study. is lonely no, I, yeah, oh, yeah, then, then I was a lonely oh yes no, yeah. no I'm not saying that at all See, I had a television how lonely could I have been <laughs> it's like Homer Simpson don't ever ever talk that way about TV again um <laughs> But it, it, it's, it's that study of comedy that, that is, uh, I think, missing. I, so many new comedians get up and they just think, hey, I'm just going to try to tell jokes. But when you watch the Steve Martins, the Richard Pryors, the Monty Pythons, the quality of the, of the material was always there. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. And, and uh, some of the people that I like these days, as far as uh, stand-up comedy, are very odd um, like, uh, there are people that I mean, I like the normal people too. I, I mean, the, the people that <laughs> name a normal. The, the people that that comedians normally say they like, I like. Okay. I like Bill Burr. I like uh, 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 Doug Stanhope. I like on and on and on and on. Uh, okay. But I I am absolutely enthralled by uh, British comedians like uh, Stephen uh, Stephen uh, um, Stuart Lee and James A. Castor and these guys who are doing something completely different. They're just taking comedy and saying, well, this is what you've been doing for the last 60 years. Let's stop and do okay. this. Example. I can't give you an example. Oh. <laughs> Other than to say that one of the things that, that Stuart Lee does is partially this Brechtian alienation thing where, you, where you're pointing out clearly to the audience that this is all fake. Uh, that I'm just not, it's not really me. It's me, but I don't have, I'm not relying on material to make you laugh. Okay. I'm relying on the fact that you already know what stand-up comedy is, audience. So I'm going to mess with that. I'm going to yeah. blow that up. And you're going to laugh at the fact that, that we're all blowing up stand-up comedy together. Okay, so this, this is an interesting turn in our conversation. Not a place that I expected to bring this. But let me ask you your opinion. Because I get Casey's opinion uh, more times than I ever asked for it. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be like, he'll talk be like, about alienation. I'm gonna tell you something. I'll finish the best show of my life. He'll come up to me and be like, a lot of fucks in that show tonight, huh? And I'll be like, you fucks. He, he should talk. He should. The, the very first show we ever did here at Doghouse Theater, our opening night, I, I took everybody in the corner. The place was packed. All kinds of people, every age, you know. And, um, and I took everyone in the corner and I said, listen, I don't care what we do, you know, I, you guys are great, let's put on a good show, just keep it clean, keep it PG. <laughs> don't, don't yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm, I'm thinking, you know, I'm, I'm paying the rent, listen to me. And so Casey, his very first thing, are you fucking Julie? <laughs> What's Not that? once, 12 times. Julie, is he fucking you? Who's fucking who? You, wait, you counted the fucks? You didn't, it, it, it became uh, oh, I a job for a statistician after a while. I, I sat at a fitness conference and a guy got up and he was talking and talking and between every sentence he went, okay. And I counted them. They were 93. Oh, good. I sat there for an hour. They were 93. So I'm going to ask you, 
as a performer, as a comedian, as an improv, as an improver, what would you do if you had my story? Oh goodness, that's that's a really interesting question. Uh, 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 there's two two ways to answer it. Okay. Uh, one, I could answer it in German. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I'm Polish. We do not like that. Well. <laughs> As we a, get worried yeah, about I get that. You. I, I back up. I understand. I change I my border. I understand. I, that's, <laughs> yeah, Hitler wasn't saluting anybody. He just nobody would give him that high five. He was asking for. Um, I love Seinfeld when he said there were two. There were two high Hitlers. <laughs> there was the bent elbow high Hitler when Hitler was tired. <laughs> that was an old Seinfeld guy. You got to yeah. look it up because he's like, there was a, there was a, yeah, okay. <laughs> there was a, too okay. cool. So, yeah. So there's two ways to, for me to answer that. For real, the way I am, I don't personally believe in bringing myself into this theater. Okay, and interesting. No one who has ever heard me do stand-up knows anything about me. Agreed. Uh, they know how I think. They know how I see the world. <laughs> they know how I see the world. I know my point of view, but they don't know anything about me, okay. my uncle, my sister, my my where I'm from. I, I I and the same thing in improv. I take everything that's me, everything that's ego, and leave it outside oh, shit, that's of the not theater. Me at all. No, no, I'm not saying it's right. <laughs> I just feel that that. I like it. I like I like the perspective now. As an improviser, you're, you're supposed to be playing characters. You're not supposed to be you. So if you load yourself down with you, then you're screwed. Uh, then it's just going to be you all the time. And you've got to be all these... You've got to be people that you hate. You've got to portray people that you can't stand or can't respect or whatever. You've got to be different from you. Yeah. So what's the point of me bringing me in here? Right. So that's on the one side. But on the other side... If I were doing just stand-up and I had your history, I would kind of try to do what you're doing. Oh. There'd, there'd be no point in me leaving it out there. Why would I do a stupid right. thing like that? <laughs> Thank you. Right, right. So, so this has been the challenge for me um, ever since I started comedy is I am sitting there almost like, what is the, what is the term you said? Um, alienation. Alienation. I'm getting up there and I am alienating the, the audience. So there have been multiple times in my career that people sit back and they're like, hey, I think this guy's fucking with me because this story is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at the end, almost like what you do with the puppet, but in a way that people are like, hey, I'm not going to believe this, number one. And number two, there have been multiple jokes that I've eliminated because friends have come up to me. And I'll give you an example is I used to tell a joke uh, where I taped a guy to a chair and I was unsure how much duct tape it takes to tape somebody to a chip. Sorry if I'm laughing. No, so I over duct taped this guy to the point that my dad had to tap me on the shoulder while I was doing it to get me to stop and it was the same tap my wife gave me whenever I couldn't hit that spot. Yeah. Boom, there's my misdirect. Um, it always got a, a laugh but somebody came up to me he's like, dude, I don't want to think about you tying someone into a chair. That's, I don't want to visualize that. That's funny. If I heard that bit, I would say, hey, dude, I don't want to think about you <laughs> not being in a hip at your wife's spot. That, that, I don't why, care about the chair. And that's why I fit in perfect at Doghouse because you guys are all fucking twisted. But, uh, th you know, that's kind of the feedback I got. And I said, okay, and I have watched audiences. That's what I do. I sit and I watch the audience. And when I host, I'll sit in the and I'll be like, what do these people want? And, and how can I give it to them in a way that I don't have to change what I do? You know what I mean? So when I was yeah. in, and I was in front of a group of um, 
people, uh, bridal shower, you know, they wanted dick jokes. They want to... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I stripped yeah. down naked. You got to read the room. Yeah, sure. You got to read the room. And, and I feel like you do that in a way that is... Uh, I don't read the room as a stand... I don't, I don't really read the room. But then uh, how I, do you I, have such a, a sense of the room? Are you talking about stand-up or improv? Uh, no, I'm talking about just overall, because I want you to do both. Because they're different. They're, they're completely different. Okay. Um, so, so as far as stand-up is concerned, I, I don't read the room I, I, at all. I don't really care who's out there. Uh, I'll tell you a quick little story. I was doing stand-up years ago down in Miami at, at a theater that I used to be part owner of down there. They only let me do stand-up in places that I owned. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm going on alright I think that's um, a rule yeah so I was doing stand up and the lights especially down there are almost in front of you they're right in your face you can't see anybody particularly with stand up because they had a spotlight okay. and the spotlight was right in your face so I was doing some stuff where uh, I was picking on some guy in the audience and making fun of him uh, in a nice in a cool way I wasn't <laughs> But I couldn't see anybody, so All I was right. just pointing to where I knew some people probably were. Okay. And I was just saying stuff about a guy, some mythical guy who happened to be sitting there. Because gotcha. nobody else knows that I'm not really talking to an actual person. Um, so that went on, and then the show was over, and we were out in the lobby, and the, the, um, the audience was leaving and shaking hands and all that. And my good friend, Bill, who's a, a guitar player with me, in a duo with me, comes walking out of the theater. I said, Bill, I didn't know you were here at the show, watching the show. He said, you didn't know I was here. You've been pointing at me and insulting me for the last half hour. I said, I didn't know it was you. So I don't care about the audience anymore. Was it a good set? It was. Okay. I've never that... bombed. I've never bombed. Uh, I've, I've, I've that's felt... a bold fucking thing to say. I, well, I mean, I, I... I'm going to tell you something. I say the same thing. When I go to an open mic... I read the room, I say, who's here, who are the comedians, and who's here that are having drinks and maybe seeing another comedian, but came to be entertained. Mm -hmm. Those are the people I need to make laugh. Yeah, I'm not a... The only time I care about the audience... about it. <laughs> I, I, I can understand it, and, and, and maybe I will sometime. I don't know. If I no, ever I got it at this point. Why would you well, change? Yeah, you yeah, drink yeah, mushroom I'm, tea. I'm be dying we soon. haven't even talked about mushroom tea yet. Haven't, it's not mushroom tea. What um, is it? It's not mushroom tea. It's It's... Lapsang Sushang. Oh, for fuck's God sake. Jesus, you're going to open that can of worms right now? Wait, let's go back. I know I can say fuck on, the ra- on, on, on a podcast. I'm not uh, sure if I can say Lapsang Sushang. Yeah, I don't even know what that... It probably means something. So I, I don't know about, about reading the audience because the only time I ever care about that is if I want to do crowd work. If I want to... There's a, a couple of bits that I do that involve having to, ha- having to have a, a, a good-looking couple in the audience that I can pick on. Gotcha. And if they're not there that night, then I can't do that. Right, right, right. Or something so it's, it brings up a good question about crowd work in general because, you know, I, I think there's a lot of people out there that, that think it's a good idea to do. Um, I, since being a regular at Doghouse, it is where I have cultivated crowd work mm-hmm. in that I feel more comfortable saying, hey guys, um, let me let me try to pull you into this instead of being the type of crowd work that pushes people away. And I've seen uh-huh. a ton of people get yeah, up and try to yeah. do crowd work. Oh, and, God, yes. Oh, my God. Alienate an audience. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, it and not only do they alienate an audience, 
they screw everything up for all the comedians who are coming else. after. Oh them. my god! Thank you. Which great is why point. I have a guitar in the car. <laughs> but it, it's just a great point about being on stage and and being able to say, "Hey, I'm going to get up and do crowd work because when and I get the the lore because when crowd work done well is amazingly satisfying. Crowds love it, mm-hmm. but it's very difficult to do it and not tend to piss people off. So. Um, well, this here is a very safe space compared to a lot of other comedy venues. Amazingly. And again, that's why I applaud what you've done here. Because again, you know, whether it's a packed house and you can't even move or, you know, it's a slow night because it's a holiday weekend. You have people that handed money over to say, hey, I, I, I'll let you try to make me laugh. And I love that audience. I will do that in front of an audience. And you could tell me I could be at the Wilbur tomorrow and only a couple people would laugh, but I would get exposure to 3,000 people or be at Doghouse and get exposure to 30. I'll take the Doghouse, man, because it's sharp. It, it's, a, it's, it's just a... I don't know if I've praised it enough. Yeah, yeah I don't know, but I, I honestly... <laughs> I love it. I really tell do. you, I've never been part of or seen... Uh, a low quality show here. I've never seen the show where I thought, you know, we should really give the audience their money back. I've been in places where I thought that. <laughs> oh my God. I, the, the South Florida scene, and I'm not gonna just isolate that, because the, the Colorado scene, two places that I, that I saw headliners bomb and acknowledge that they were bombing and know that they were, that the audience hated them and still took the maximum amount of time that they were paid for. Ah. <laughs> right? So, so listen, I'm up and I'm bombing and the crowd hates me and I'm getting paid for 45 minutes. I'm leaving in 30. I'm done. I'm out. I'm not, I'm not going to continue to to try to bully this audience into trying to laugh with me. Yeah. Um, that's, you, you would never get away with that in Boston. And you'd never get booked again to do a 45-minute well, spot. I'm from, I'm from New York. I'm originally okay. from, from Brooklyn. Oh, shit. And so you, you kind of... You kind of uh, and, yeah, I grew up in the 60s and 70s there. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, uh, or if I, if, assuming that I grew up at all. And my father uh, was a very funny man. Uh, I don't just mean dad joke funny, although he sure as hell knew how to embarrass you at a, at a restaurant. Excellent. But uh, on purpose. But he was clever and funny till, his, till the day he died. He okay, was, so there's two sides of that. And he was clever a and funny. He was a cop. He was embarrass a, you. I don't ever see you've never ever been in a social situation where you were like hey I want to embarrass it like you know dad mean? jokes the opposite no. Of, no no not just dad jokes but hey I'm going to uh, be the sarcastic loud person in this social setting yeah I I gotta tell you I um, I I have this thing about I'm not a very generous person in some ways and in, in that I don't handle other people's insanity very well. Oh, shit. Um, in other words, uh, uh, which means I don't like kids. Okay. Because they're simply small, insane adults. Right. Um, and I, do, I don't uh, like people... I don't like people who are so needy that you feel the, the need being sucked out of you when you're near them. And so <laughs> people who are loud and want to be the centers of attention, the alpha males... I. I they just drive me away and I Same don't want here. to be one of them. Well, you know, when you're talking about my dad and brother. Yeah. Which is a segue. Sounds like it. <laughs> which is a segue into the podcast. We've yeah. been going on and on about comedy, which oh, I, I could talk for 5,000 hours about. But it, it's... This is all an experiment in how to take 
my life story, my podcast, all the details of that, and put it on a stage and develop it into a... God, I have so many ideas of what I want this to be, and I've talked to my audience about this multiple times. I would like my one-man show to be like the Friday show. Uh Where, let's say, I travel with an improv group, and every night I get on stage with them, and and I tell a story based on the um, Armando concept that we do here, which is, hey, yell out something, and I'm going to... I'm going to try to bring it to a story that relates to my life and people are going to come out and improv off it. And the reason I like that, that setup is because with most one man shows, you go and you see it one night and you're good. You heard the story, you saw the entertainment and you wouldn't go again, Mm. but you would be tempted to go again. If you knew that a, the stories might be different based on who yelled what out Mm -hmm. and the improv would always be different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's yeah. I find that, that that's this whole idea of what you do fascinating. Um, it's very captivating. Um, never boring. Uh, never it, it never comes to a screeching halt ever, like some comedians do when they get out on stage. They they can come to a we we can come to a screeching halt. I shouldn't say they. Um, uh, it's and I've 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 never at least seen any negative reaction or any pullback from the audience that's like, oh, I don't want to engage with this guy. Let's wait till the next comedian comes out. <laughs> I've never seen that. Eh? Um, so I, I'm fascinated by that and by how you talk about, talk about um, transitions, how you transition from the past to the present and the future, if you know what I mean. How, how you take the ingredients that you've you have and turn them into a lovely stew (laughs) shit that's I gotta tell you that that tends to get confusing for me because I'm not like a lot of the comedians that get up and say hey this is my five minutes I'm gonna tell my five minutes right now I have so many stories Mm -hmm. so much shit that that it's it's a matter of how do I how do I figure out what are the stories that that should be in the show. How do I pick 22 robberies, which four need to be told during the timeline? So if I were to get up on in that one-man show and say, okay, I'm going to do a 10-minute section on my childhood, the development of, the indoctrination of me into a robbery lifestyle, which is absolutely apparent in my material. My mm-hmm. dad, brother, and I stole a house early on, and, and I talk about that in my comedy. So it wasn't a, hey, uh, we all went to church our whole lives and one day I came home and dad said, let's go rob a jewelry store. There was a slow and steady, some things we need to pay attention morally and ethically and other things, well, there was an open door, there was a pallet, we took some stuff. It's a victimless crime. (laughs) It's a victim, nobody was hurt, everybody's doing it kind of mentality with it and and trying to to put that into um, stories that... that, um, you know, what stories from childhood? I, I think I have that down. It's what robberies? What do I talk about? What do I, what is most appealing to people sitting there? Okay, I got you, I get you, Brian. You, you, I'm on this ride with you. Now, what's the most fascinating pieces of this? Well, you know, to me, it, it's not simply about stories. It's okay. the stories are, are there and uh, they fuel everything. 
But to me, that also is, and I think from what I've seen, is, is, is there should be, as far as I'm concerned, but, but there already is, something more dancing on the top of, of these stories. It's like um, uh, someone once said that, um, yeah, uh, it, it's, it's, it's okay if, um, if you can imitate this person, that person, and that person, uh, great, can you imitate, wonderful. Now can you take that and turn it into an opera? You know, uh, what, what more can you do that's not just stories, that, 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 that is comments on the stories, or just personality, or... or um, so, so a common theme? I think, uh, I think it's, uh, I think it's more personal than that. I think, um, so if it were me, mm -hmm. what I want to do with, for, for, for me, I have a theater, but I don't do it. I want to do a one hour special. I've got enough to do that. And I know I've got, I've done little pieces here and there. They all do glue together, but I haven't. I only get six minutes at a time, so I managed to chop them into little bites. Great pieces. point. Great point. Because I'm in the same position. I have uh, six minutes up on that stage right. every Friday, and it's like, okay, which six minutes am I going to try to present? But how do you take all of those six minutes? Who is giving you the stage time to bring thirty six, forty five, an hour minutes to a stage? Wow, that's almost impossible. What I'm what I'd like to do, which I may have to do, is just rent my own damn theater, <laughs> pay a bunch of people to come out and sit in the audience, get I, a, a really good uh, video crew in, and I gotta tell you, I have seen I have seen a couple of different uh, local comedians do that in other theaters, and it went horrible. This is not other theaters. No, agreed. Um, it was the audience. The audience was so used to them because they had they had continually called upon them to come see them at other well, open see, mics. For me, nobody's used to me. Nobody, no, and nobody knows. I, I, yeah, I don't have. A, I don't have. I would. I would come to that. When is that? Uh, Tuesday. <laughs> no, I don't I'm know. Bring but, but that's what I'm saying. I mean, I think you need to. I think you or I or whoever is in this position needs to. Just um, do the thing that needs to be done. It's like, okay, let's do this. I, I, I can't wait for an opportunity. I gotta create right. one. Right. You know, think okay. of very think, good point. Think of the theater as a jewelry store. Break in here one night. <laughs> do your shit. No. And just no. before the cops come, get the hell out. That's, no, 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 no more for no me. more. No, and that that brings up a good point. I'm taking. I, I'm going to take some time this summer, and I'm going to travel up the Eastern Seaboard. I'm going to do comedy in a couple of different states, and then try to do a little tour around New England, because um, to to bring this story to light, what what the producers have been asking me is, we need paperwork. Like we need evidence. Yeah. And it's such a it's just, it's a shit show. I've talked about this in a couple of different episodes, but now I basically have to go into like the National Police Department where I was arrested and say, What do you Remember have me? on me? <laughs> yeah, what do you have on me? Can I have copies of it and, and try to convince people to, to give that stuff over and something is, tells me that they would be very obliging with that sort of thing. Well, there is the Freedom of Information Act. That's that what most, I mean. Right. And, but I had a friend call the National Police Department and she was switched over to three different people and it's a small department. But I think <laughs> there's a whole different thing happening if you do it in person. You think so? Oh, yeah. All right. And that's, oh, yeah. that's what I plan to do. So I'm Ask Casey. Nobody ever, nobody ever sold a car on the phone. 
Right, all right. Got to get them in. So I'm gonna pop up. I'm gonna pop up in person. I'm gonna try to sort of get some paperwork together for them. So hopefully we see this some someday on the screen. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, we're we're forty thirty nine minutes into this. Oh my um, goodness. Let's <laughs> let's wrap this up. I I love this. I, I had no idea how this was gonna go, and I'm glad we talked about comedy because it's my favorite topic. Mm. Um, you are one of my favorite comedians. I really appreciate the time that you give me every single Friday on on stage here. So. Anybody, if you're in the area in, in Delray, please come by the Doghouse Theater and you'll see an amazing show, whatever night it is. Thank you, Tom Neal, for your time and uh, thanks for the uh, thanks for the episode. Thanks, Brian.